0: Obelisk is
1: the key. I'm guessing this is the intro to the show. <laughs>
2: this intro's over. Good evening, oh, okay. everybody, and welcome Good. to the obelisk. The obelisk. Uh, new season seven, first episode. Uh, we'd like to welcome our guest, Anthony Samarov anthony samaroff is a psychotherapist and economic journalist he co-instructs the course on economics of healthcare reform and the inst- for the institute of pure and applied knowledge his ebook <laughs> seven big pharma myths debunked is available free from seven par- you can look at the link in the description everyone anthony
1: welcome there you go you make me sound like such a dark no, That's like I- the most- that's like the most boring intro ever. I, I should took have said it. You off. Ever, that web, was it's from your <laughs> website. <laughs> my website makes me look like such a dork. I <laughs> you know it's, it's not <laughs> did You didn't mention the fact that I spent nine months in India or like over a year in Mexico. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 I admit I'm a dork, but I'm a really cool one. Okay. <laughs> so, well, so, so I
2: wanted to do a short intro and then I introduce you and then let you fill in the blanks. That's how yes. I went. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay so well, anthony welcome to the cosmic salon everyone we're sorry no, this for being the
2: cosmic salon
0: i mean sorry that i'm See, I'm, i just put up all the dots welcome <laughs> to oh the obelisk God.
2: and he oh, asked me oh, when he joined he's like see, is this a cosmic salon like, or
1: no, i don't know i don't even know where i am the thing I is what you what you, you what you guys don't realize is i'm multidimensional so i'm both in the obelisk and the cosmic <laughs>
0: It's so funny. I, I am it. the reason we're late tonight. It's like dusk here and the ducks don't wanna go up. The show's starting, it's just crazy. And then as we were talking in a little bit of our pre-chat with um, Anthony and, and Jerry, the time, like we've had to reschedule this twice, but mm-hmm. the timing ends up being perfect. But with that said, welcome to the obelisk with Jerry and I, and tell us who you are, what are you about? Give us the the well, more expanded like, version of who is you your are. your deal? Who that are is you, like, Anthony? It depends on
1: your level of analysis. It's like, I am the one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively through the lens of Anthony Samara. Uh, on one level of analysis. On another level of analysis, I'm just a guy. Yeah, just a dude. Like, um, yeah, so get I don't know, I've got my fingers in a lot of bowls. I'm a counselor, a psychotherapist, and I've been doing that for over 10 years. Um, I already started running self-help workshops and things like that before that. So I was coming to the end of my degree and I thought, what am I going to do? I like the self-help stuff. so. That sounds like a good path for me and i've been doing it ever since before that i was a piano tutor and yeah i kind of got into libertarianism when i was in um college university as we call it in scotland and uh i kind of did two degrees like the degree at the undergrad that was studying and like this other online degree this at youtube university learning all about economics and and stuff like that so I started writing, I was a theater critic, and I reviewed, this is one of the best intros I've ever done before, uh, I, re- I reviewed over 150 plays. And when I started reading the books that libertarians re- were recommending to people to get them into freedom loving stuff, I was like, no one's going to read this, like, this is too heady. And this is what, you-. so I started writing articles, trying to write about these topics like they were a theater review start with a punch blab you know um make sure yeah use a use a conversational style stuff that you cannot economists aren't known for and that kind of culminated in me releasing a book which was like kind of like a collection of essays on um, reducing poverty called universal basic income for and against um and yeah that did fairly well for an independent published book and got me some on some shows and people just like the fact that i write like i'm talking to you whereas everyone else writes like um quite academic and i kind of read people who are writing for a popular audience and collect their collect their ideas and make them even more simple so if you want to sample some of that go to seven the number seven pharma like big pharma myths like woman mythology.com sevenpharmamyths.com and get my free ebook and sample of my punchy conversational style. Yeah, apart from that, like a little bit spiritual, spending a bit of time in India, like, you know, meditation, um, self-knowledge, self-inquiry, connecting with legit, real people, um, talking about real life stuff or what's going on in your life. Like, what do you actually think and feel? And and I'm kind of lucky enough to have made that a job. So I did the counseling mostly online and um, be yourself and love it.com. And that, that's pretty much all of my, that's my whole life story. If you're still awake.
0: I love it. And Thank you. I, I, especially love people that come step down from the ivory tower of intellectualism to interact with people in a more conversational and normal way i have always found that uh higher i've always found that it's easier to talk at a level where everyone can understand and gets along instead of weaving through big words, big academic words. Those are fun and it's fun and it can be fun, but it doesn't allow for that playful spirit of common vernacular. Thank you. Yeah. And so I appreciate that in you, especially obviously you are an academic, so you are able to bridge these worlds.
1: Well, I think when people talk in academic language, it's a few things. One is lack of skill and facility as a writer. The most difficult thing is to write simply. And if you're too lazy, well, I don't know, maybe I've got i it wasn't easy for me when i went to college i used to write big long clunky sentences just like everyone else does when they start college but i learned and i learned especially from writing theater reviews and i'm always looking for a little device right so if i want to say something like um just to make it a little bit interesting if i want to say being in poverty negatively affects health outcomes. I'll I'll use a story like in the 1800s, infectious diseases were rampant in New York City, because New Jersey just across the Hudson River was a swamp. So every summer, the mosquitoes would fly across the river and infect people with malaria and dengue fever. Everyone except the rich people, of course, they would just pack up their stuff and go somewhere colder now it's 2024 and being poor is still hazardous for your health people in poverty are more likely to have diabetes and diabetes is a sign of having as a risk factor for all these other illnesses you know i'll find a story uh, like how do you make it accessible how do you make it fun and interesting to read so i like that you used the playful spirit of the vernacular because that's what i'm trying to do all through my articles all through my books is what is the device that you can use to make this a pleasure to read and, and humor as well can you use
0: humor? So you said something that interests me right away. So you were writing and I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully you still are, theater reviews.
1: Yeah, I did that quite a lot um, from about the age of 22 to, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, sorry, maybe 20. Yeah, for about 10 years and then a little bit after that. And um, I still do sometimes, but it's not like the center of my radar anymore
0: well where I want to go with that is so since you obviously like the theater enough to write about it and do reviews about it you're familiar with the uh the architecture of theater and Late. go on and the production work that goes into theater And so I want to take that into the woo, but is this a true statement that you are familiar with all those? aspects? I think
1: think that's fair. Yeah.
0: And so when, so let's go, let's dive, let's dive in. So when you're looking at say the theater of the world today, where we are collectively from your point of view, from your seat in the theater, looking at it as, uh, Someone who's observant. I love it. Do you recognize certain themes in the world around us that you would say see in a production on an actual show in the theater?
1: Well, we're here trying to both discover and to determine whether this story is a comedy or a tragedy. is this incarnation going to have a happy ending or is it going to have a sad ending a tragic one i got quite shocked when i started going to the opera because i was so used to movies that have a happy ending and you're like oh and then you go to the the opera oh they're going to do it they're going to save it no that's not how it works everyone ends up with a frown on their face, the hero dies. The heroines aggrieved. The other people who were meant to get married are fucking trapped on other sides of the planet. Whatever, like that's where this planet goes if we don't. Like you're the you're the hostess of the cosmic salon. No one knows this better than you do. You know, we're trying to we're trying to we're we're working for a happy ending so it doesn't have to go that way
0: right it well it can that's the thing with that's the thing with a lot of great overtures in the world mm-hmm. like war has uncertain endings as famously mm-hmm. said in in um I think the second version of the Hollywood production of Elizabeth with Miss Cl- Kate Blanchett, really? uh, and so for the ad-lib stuff for the, I'm hearing something. What Sorry. is that? It's Mexican chat.
1: So someone's speaking in the background. <laughs> Let me, I'll, I'll mute when I'm not talking.
0: Okay. All right. I'm like, what's going on? Do we have a guest? Uh, anyway. So, right. I think that our point of view, has a lot to do with how we perceive the overtures going on and the story, the different story arcs going on and what kind of story it is. Is it braided, Uh, you know, is it heavily narrated? What are we looking at? But when we're looking at the theater of the big world around us there, it, it is darkly cast. And so when it's darkly cast, we have an opportunity for those that have a triumphant nature to step forward and rise into a place of, I'm going to accept this journey and I'm going to go on this journey. And sometimes it's, you know, in good writing, especially it's the most unlikely of characters. It's oftentimes everyone loves an underdog and you know, as an audience, as a viewing participant in the overall process, which is part of the process, being an observer, uh, we tend to root for those. But the villains oftentimes don't get a lot of backstory if they're, uh, you know, if we're not looking at a major production of you know you're looking at hours and hours so that a lot of times the villains come in and we don't know necessarily what's going on and i i'll cite like the wizard of oz and how wicked became its own theater production right so we get the story of the wicked witch and in the background of all that and we understand that well there's more going on here and and also like maleficent uh where we started to see, okay, so there's a backstory here. But when you cut to the Disney version of Sleeping Beauty, I think that's where Maleficent is from. Um, You know, we don't have all that backstory. How did she get to where she is? So here, in the theater of the world around us and i think i can safely say at least for people that come to the obelisk and also other shows that jerry and i are both involved in um that people like characters like klaus schwab and and these weff characters and these world you know mr billy gates and all that these are great villains in the story and to some degree we have backstory on them but they're still villains like every which way i look at them they're villains so like with billy gates i wonder what happened we know who his father is we know that uh oh hold on i've got a wolf situation going on oh. <laughs> no that was i don't know what what that was that was someone. that was unhappiness um so we know that the villains look genuine look like genuine villains like they were just like bad seeds to begin with and of course everyone out there that knows their pop culture knows the bad seed is actually a movie from i think the 40s or 50s no
2: 70s it was a book
0: are you sure because i i think i um i thought it was an older it's like jerry look that up
2: i am the, the because I remember devil, it being right? like
0: in Golden Hollywood as a movie.
2: Oh, you're right.
0: Yeah, 56. Jerry. Six. Okay,
2: 1956. So...
0: <laughs> What am I? Hello thinking about? out there. I hope my Robert's out there and can go. Yes, girl. Anyway, so I'm sorry. um, no, no, no. I just these are things that. Um. Anyway, so. That are born a bad seed so when we're looking at this narrative right now Anthony that's going on, we can look at these villains that came in and they seem to just be villains from the get go and. And that's what i'm wondering is when you look at this and you deconstruct the theater of the life around us some of these villains are solid they came in as villains they seem to have come from villains so there's lineage there and now they are holding control they're reigning the the reins of power they are ruling the story and so the most unlikely of heroes or heroines are going to have to be, I think, the anonymous ones out in the world in this kind of story. And there's b- Bible precedents here as well. And of course, there's Tolkien precedents here as well. Who but a hobbit, right? So how are you seeing this play out? Because the stakes are high, they couldn't be higher. The villains are old school lineage villains. They're dark characters, they're dark lords and they are um, reigning supreme and they have a history of reigning supreme with long legs to get us to where we are but i don't see any real heroes or heroines out there that are rising like a say a superman mm. or one of those where i'm seeing our mm. individual characters how do you see this right. play running
1: and i like that because i never liked those stories that have a chosen one. I think the best heroes are people who chose themselves, and through their own commitment, integrity, strength of character, you know, which they develop through the story, they might not have as many qualities, but they work to develop their qualities. Um, and and I think it's, it's that way that each person, no, no one can do it, everyone everything but everyone could do something so in like Hindu religion um mysticism there's this concept of using your nature to serve god so to speak find out what your particular talents are and in some way commit them i think this is this is you know not uh a superman versus lex Luthor type situation or i, I don't really know that much about superheroes it, it's more um you know a million tiny um ants taking down a giant you know you see sometimes see the little people these cartoons or whatever where there's little people throwing lassos around the the big giant to pull them down. but I think I don't know thinking about it in terms of saving the the world is even, the, the way to look at it. Like, I think finding out what your talents are and contributing them are like, I'm a writer. I think I'm pretty good at researching stuff and putting it in some simple language. So I I do the pharma stuff, um, de- debunking, you know, demonstrating that drugs do more harm than good and demonstrating what the alternative is. That that suits me, my personality, my mind. Um, That's, you know, you're choosing yourself. When you learn about things, you learn a lot about something you start to see oh there's gaps there's something there's some place for me to step into here where i can you know i remember once I was over at a friend's house and we may or may not have imbibed some substances at one point and we were having a conversation and he went i am the one and i remember thinking to myself you know i don't want to be the one i want to be one of many and I thought that was a really beautiful thought. And I share, it. I think it's not, this isn't, can. this isn't about the ego because everyone needs everyone. It's like we each need to be one of many. Everyone needs to step up and make whatever contribution is stepped in their, stamped in their heart and their nature. And that's how we change the world. And a lot of the things, it's not about changing, you know, oh, if only my neighbors thought the right things like I do, the world would be so awesome. We've tried that way for hundreds of years and it's not worked. It's like, you you can't think changing the world means changing other people. You become the best version of yourself. And then I don't know what happens. Either you get out there and you make some fabulous contribution or you just don't find yourself in a reality that has supervillains in it anymore, um, eventually, because all there is is each of us and all there is is the present moment. So I don't know what universe you're going to disappear to in between now and the time when we next speak, you know, it might be a completely different one for me.
0: Yeah. Is it? Is it a need for contrast, though, in life? Do is. You know, what's the synchronicity here with contrast, it feels like if everything is always going smoothly and aces and perfect, then there's no real need for growth or seeing what you're made of and putting the pedal to the metal to, to rise up out of struggle, out of circumstances that seem impossible.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to look at it that way because. Well, first of all, when you're in intense suffering, it's almost impossible. But even when things are going well and you look back on your life and you think, oh, look, um, I see a running thread. Everything that was difficult in my life taught me some skill that I'm now pleased to have. Every experience when you're in a good place, you believe everything is meant to be. But then you go, well, what about these people? being born in Palestine and under that oppression, what about Yemen? What could, am I? Could I really be so um, selfish to think it's hard? It's easy for me to say living here in Mexico at the moment in Scotland, wherever I am, that oh, when I look back on my life, all my struggles somehow make sense. But I would find it hard to say to that, that to some baby that's deformed because their their village. Was bombed with depleted uranium in Iraq or something like that. So, but in 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 my moments of clarity, I feel like everything ultimately everything is well. And if we are eternal and what we come from is cannot be harmed, and we go back to it, and um, what seems like a lifetime to you, a even a lifetime of suffering, is just a moment. So I guess. Maybe it does all serve a higher purpose. Maybe it does serve your evolution to be put in situations where you can demonstrate uh, integrity or cowardness. Do you sacrifice others to yourself, or do you take a more difficult path that is more beautiful but um, challenging, and develop your character through the voluntary embrace of challenge? in the face of the temptation to do
0: so a, a couple things here otherwise i i love what you're saying and it has always been apparent to me that comparing your hardships to another's is never a good way to bridge mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. it it is um it further isolates people in general and compounds Trauma and takes away from their own experience, especially these people that one up everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, silly. Oh, my God. So damaging. So it's, it's a thing there. But then I want to look at the idea of the nature of the human condition. And of course, we're just talking philosophy here. We're, we're in this realm of of philosophical discourse. And so the nature of the human condition, if we look back at all our stories, our mythologies, our literature, our arts, even the petroglyphs, there is a certain idea that we struggle here. Back in the beginning, you know, you're struggling to get fire and warmth and food, and then you got to work together to make those things happen. And then as civilization moves forward, there are different struggles and you see some come to power and take over others. And and then in those stories, you have kind of the Robin Hood tale and uh, the heroes that take away from the villains. Uh, And again, we already kind of talked about the villains a little bit. But the idea I'm getting at here is the human condition in general without comparing your circumstance to someone else's because we recognize the folly of that here. Mm. But it seems to me that no matter what the human condition does entail a certain amount of agitation to bring us into a state of more awakened reality rather than just a peaceful, lovely, sleepy dream, which everyone loves. I I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, I love when everything's smooth and, and fluid and flow and all that, but it, it, it almost becomes like, too easy. It almost Mm. becomes, uh, I don't know. I become suspicious in those modes of being myself Mm -hmm. personally, because it always seems like I am lulled into the poppy field again. And at what point, Oh, I see, I see, you know,
1: so you're saying when things are easy, you, you kind of can rest into this more sleepy state of consciousness
0: yeah but for too long and 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 yeah. so we all need the reprieve we all need the easy yeah. bits and we all need the beauty and the leisure and the love i i live for those things i pickle in them i relish in them i ruminate in them but at the same time if you don't have contrast from that how do you do anything great how do you rise up and write a beautiful prose line about the contrast of some some struggle, a heartache, uh, someone broke your heart, mm-hmm. or you know, where's where does the real muse come into all this? If mm-hmm. it's all just in flow state and everything mm-hmm. is perfect,
1: yeah, I kind of yeah, I, I guess it, it reminds me of the some um, you know, the kind of symbol of the cross, like with Jesus, um, accepting his suffering willingly and as a model like you know some stuff you know i and when i'm in a good place i do that i've got challenges psychological emotional challenges relationship challenges and i really do think i'm learning something important from this i'm glad for the opportunity to learn from this experience like um but it can be hard because you can really miss the poppy field you, you know, and it's very difficult to want something intensely, and not be able to get it or not see your your chance of ever having it. And it's something in us, something in us feels so disconnected from life in the universe, when our desires are unfulfilled.
0: you know i think a lot of us agree right now that that things are in such a in such an agitated state and it's over there's there's an extra amount I, I mean something big is going on i think we can agree that we're at that point in the story arc where there've been twists and turns and there's a bit we're in the middle of finding out what's this next big twist or how we're coming towards a crescendo of some sort. And it feels, at least it feels that way to me looking around and I'm curious. So I want to know what it is. And we're already invested in our own stories and in life because we're here still, we're all still standing. And so it's making... Allegedly. Yeah, I know, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) But just trying to make sense of What's gone on in the last several years, Anthony, and where it seems to be going? I think I'm wondering what is your perspective on this? Because do you recognize that in the outer world it is a new flavor, a new level of agitation that we are facing sure. collectively?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean what the hell was twenty nine? you know 2020 i mean i used to i was like i knew it was bad and that people were kind of sheep and followers and but the the worst thing i had to worry about in 2019 was stuff like leftists are clueless about tech um economics and they're driving off us off a cliff and like i don't know rightists are of um a complete like failure to understand um, what's necessary in order to um, conserve anything, or I don't know stuff like that. I mean, I would take, I would take those problems back over what has become evident to us that is the real. I mean, so much of what happened is like what we call in Scotland a piss take, which is um, just like. How 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 can you coherently phone up your uh, nephew and say, um, you know, see if you're going to come to the family gathering? It would become good if you wore a mask because you're the only unvaccinated person there, and be like, and not be like, wait a minute, the vaccine's meant to protect me from getting anything. So are we allowed to say that word? Sorry, the lollipops are meant to protect me from getting anything. Like, you go into a restaurant. You have to wear a mask, you sit down, you can take it off and eat. But if you get up, you need to go to the bathroom, like, so much of it seemed like, let's just throw crazy nonsense at people and go, dance monkey dance, let's see how your mind justifies this completely stupid contradictory thing that you hold true at the same time, and get you on the internet to say that anyone who's like, wait a minute, this is crazy, this is inconsistent, to say that they're evil or like, the, you know, it's crazy.
2: that's exactly what happened. That's exactly like, it was a divide yeah. and conquer of the the public and of the minds of the public to in, to induce a cognitive dissonance where you're uh, more, uh, the
1: likes of which has never been seen before. Never, never. Like I've never imagined holding so many crazy. Like <laughs> the, it's like. I I used to say, you know, see when I was in Scotland, I said the first minister of Scotland was, um, yeah, she was up on television like Mussolini or something like that every night. We are going to do this, and we are going to insist that mm-hmm. this. And I said, do you know what? If she said, COVID can spread by farts, and if you leave yes. the house, yeah. you need you need to put a dildo up your ass. <laughs> People would. <laughs> People would be wobbling left to right in the in the supermarket, and see if you weren't wobbling left and right, they'd be giving you dirty looks like, "What are you doing? Why haven't you got your dildo shoved up your ass?"
2: And I'm thinking um, about all the chicks who wear them just for fun. Yeah, are going. Phew, I dodged a bullet.
0: Right. <laughs> or I took it. I took it. Yeah. <laughs> the art of right. walking with a dildo in your arse. <laughs> That's why you gotta get the small
1: ones with the tail. So like, yeah. Or the what the ones that your partner can turn on and off by remote control. Yeah, those
2: are called love ants. The the pink oh, ones.
1: Okay. Right. You say see, you seem to you seem to know a lot about these ones, Jerry. I,
2: I have a vast and shallow knowledge base. <laughs>
0: okay. Excellent. So anyway not, you... anthony so carry yeah, on then. yeah you're, you're right the like
2: the, <laughs> the level the extreme psychological operation that has been ongoing since 2020 is
1: unbelievable insane it's unbelievable how many people bought it it's like it's it's worse than the thing where they said one of the in mainstream newspapers one of the passports of one of the hijackers on 9 11 was found at ground zero of the world trade center i mean do people actually believe that and who would actually report that in the mainstream it's like it's so crazy it can't possibly be true And and people can look at that and not go well that's fucking nuts and yeah and, and i think the covid stuff is the epitome of this
2: yeah and the reason that people didn't question it i think one of the biggest biggest reasons people didn't question it was fear they were uh, they first of all they wanted I mean, there's so many psychological things in there. People want to be mm-hmm. part of the group. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, they that's, weaponized
1: that's more... empathy as well. Yes. Yes. They, they weaponized it. empathy and said, "You're obviously an incompassionate asshole if you don't." Yeah. Never mind the fact that Oxfam reported early on that lockdowns were going to cause millions <laughs> of deaths in Africa. Yeah. Never mind the fact that people lost their business. Where's the that they have spent their whole life building? Where's the empathy for that? No, we're going to focus on this one thing you know, it's nuts, absolutely raving bloody bats.
2: And it's still going on. I mean, there are, there are over 60 universities here in the States that you must be up to date on your vaccines in order to get in mm-hmm. to attend mm-hmm. classes, even remote mm-hmm. classes.
1: Nuts. And that's another thing. I mean, the fact that people actually accepted Yes. Um. Particularly when they said you've got to get it or keep your job the fact that people didn't the fact that people didn't rebel against that I've got one friend by the way who sued their company for for um firing them for not taking the facts and the bastard settled out of court and he got paid that was really really fucking satisfying That's nice. fuck him yeah uh, more people needed to do that yes. so. Um, Like, I cannot believe that people accepted that. At that point, it just went too far. I mean, saying you can't, and it's so interesting, there's so many levels to it, you know, the fact that it was expert, even by, this is the thing, right? (laughs) See when when I'm writing on pharma, my speciality is, I use all main sources, Mm -hmm. I use all main sources. So what I, mainstream sources, so what I do is say, look. I'm not saying it. here's a document from the CDC or the FDA or the AMA or the Lancet or the British Medical Journal, or, or the New England Journal of Medicine or uh, JAMA, like their own fucking journals admit everything I'm admitting uh, everything I'm saying. So it's like that it's like the complete abandonment of any freaking semblance of what even would normally cons- be considered normal safety tests, or which aren't good enough, by the way, or normal efe- efficacy tests, which definitely aren't good enough, by the way, or, you know, all of this stuff was happening or, already, but they just turned it up to 11. And no one went, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? It's one thing to say, even if you think lockdowns, even if you think COVID's dangerous, even if you think lockdowns will protect you against it, even if you think masks work. Here's one thing. Is this the Soviet Union where you're only allowed to have one opinion represented in the media? Did no one stand up and say, look, okay, we live, we're, we're supposed to live in a free society with democratic elements to it. Surely, you can have a debate on TV where one expert is for lockdowns and one expert is against it. No. What you have is one expert who's really, really, really for lockdowns and one expert who says maybe we should scale back on one tiny element of uh, mod Like, what the fuck? Like, this, why is this... this acceptable to anyone? I agree.
2: This kind of dovetails into what we were talking about before the show started about when the censorship started, because uh, anyone who questioned the official narrative here, uh, I'm thinking like the Great Barrington Declaration, for instance, mm-hmm. those doctors, Bhattacharya and I forget the other guy's name, I apologize to him, um, who wrote that, all the doctors who wrote that, were, were immediately canceled, silenced. Right. There was yeah, no well, room well, for debate because they were deemed anti vaxxers You know, they got labeled as opposition and then canceled, and they had no place to to really speak out about. Yeah. So yeah. Go ahead. I'm
1: so sorry. why does that? Sorry. No, I'm sorry for interrupting you, no. but yeah why why aren't people suspicious of that?
2: Because they're they because they're brainwashed. That's the only good explanation is that they're. They, they believe in this fairy tale that was told to them by the media and the government.
1: So how much personal responsibility do you put on people? Like, where's the line between, well, you're just a complete automaton and you're brainwashed and you don't know any better, and actually, fucker, you've got a personal responsibility in life to vet the information that comes your way. Like where do you where do you place yourself on the spectrum? Like how much personal responsibility do people have?
2: One hundred percent, if any. One hundred percent.
1: Okay, well then they're not just brainwashed then, because if they've got one hundred percent personal responsibility, they're
2: so, okay. Yeah. No, not every. I'm a majority of the people. I feel are were definitely okay affected by the propaganda mm-hmm. in the manner in which they acted to 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 do that, the other the other people who didn't speak out or were, were just in fear for their jobs, or were just personally scared of the ramifications if they if they went against the narrative or whatever.
1: So I've got a couple of questions for you guys. Then the first one is: Do you think this is a good principle? Then right, see if someone is just more like, well, you know, I stayed in during the lockdown and I followed the rules, and um, like. If you want to get a vac, I, I wanted to get vaccines, so I got it. But if you don't, you know, don't. That's fine. So we should take a live and let live attitude with them. But if someone was like on the internet going, you effing science deniers, blah blah blah, like I hope you're wrong. Like to take the same um, oh, no. level of judgment with them and say, like you're personally responsible because you were out there calling people out and telling them that they were. That they were anti-science when it's actually you who didn't actually bother to do your homework. Do, do you think we should be more strict in our judgment of people who are more strict in their judgment? Uh, yes and no. I think, like, I, I
2: definitely am in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But I take that live and let, you know, if you live and let, let live, at, blah, 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 something like Biden, live and let live attitude and just, tend to ignore people like that because there's no getting through to them for the most okay. part so and 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 I might have misunderstood your question when I said 100% I I was in my head thinking it's 100% on them to snap out of their trance mm-hmm. okay not, yeah. okay you know it's not
1: no they're not they're 100% res- personally responsible
2: no it's yeah. it, the onus is 100% on them to to be more discerning in what they absorb, information-wise mm-hmm. and
1: content-wise, and, and I think it's one thing if you really are sheltered and you've not been exposed to this information. But if you're the person who's had a couple of friends come to you and go, "This, you know, this is nonsense. Look at this website. Look at this website," and you're like, "Ah, yeah, whatever. You crazy anti fan. Like you've not got the same level." of plausible deniability to go, well, I never knew any better. No, you had a friend send you the studies, send you a doctor explaining the studies and you didn't even listen to it or you listened to the first two minutes and put it off because you didn't know, you didn't like what you would have to do if the information was true. If the information was true, that means that you would have needed to become an unpopular person who stood up against the narrative, and you didn't like the thought of that, so you evaded. You evaded being exposed to more information.
2: Yeah, or the only content they consume is the one that reinforces the narrative. Right. You know, that they they don't look outside their box, ever. And when you have content that's tailored directly for what you consume if you think about your facebook feed your twitter feed your instagram feed it's going to feed you things that are in your wheelhouse (laughs) more often than not so i mean you're not going to see dissenting opinion a lot especially on on anything but twitter right now Mm -hmm. you know if if it's anti-narrative speech it's gone it gets can't you know Mm -hmm. deleted you you can't speak freely anywhere pretty much except twitter and even then it's Mm
1: -hmm yes it's it's hard to get reach as well the the thing is i i I don't do well on twitter and i think the stuff that i post is really interesting and funny and cute and um and thoughtful but what does well on twitter is people making like absolute statements like they are the law because then people argue in the tweets commenting on it and then people argue with the people arguing and twitter is just like a vehicle for people to argue with each yeah, other yeah. it's like people who are very strident and i i don't i can't be bothered with that yeah I so could. that in and, and some way that's a bad thing i should get some cantankerous asshole to run my twitter on my behalf <laughs> and then maybe i'll <laughs> yeah then i'll maybe get hundreds of thousands of followers and i'll sell sell more books on big pharma and then i'll reach more people but it's just not in my nature i'm like kind of a conciliatory guy when it comes down to it i like to say hey look at this this is interesting and true i don't like to go you bunch of assholes like you know and don't you know that it's just not me you know mm-hmm.
0: well absolutes and platitudes are just i mean it never used to be like it to Mm -hmm. this extent people Mm -hmm. used to enjoy a good debate and uh and 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 just good fodder for talking about stuff even heated things we could come together and and talk about heated things and maybe then have a laugh or a drink afterwards or agree to disagree. But the, everything now is the world of absolutes mm. and, and this is the science and you can't question mm. that science when obviously mm. what is we've lost sight of what science is mm. to be honest to be honest, and the cult of scientism, which is rose up out of this, it sprung up out of this, it, it like a mushroom science. out of a turd. It, it eclipsed <laughs> right. science. It, yeah, it uh, is.
1: Carry on. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I've got a chapter in the book, seven pharma on bad science of medicine. And the one in the next book that's going to be a paperback is going to be even bigger because there's, it's like, Science already wasn't really going on in medicine. Almost all the studies are funded by pharmaceutical companies. Yes. And even then they've got so many ways to manipulate data. I mean, one of the worst things I heard was from anatomy of the of an epidemic where for antipsychotics, this is what they called science. They took a bunch of people who were already doing reasonably well on the drug, took them off the drug. Then a couple of weeks later, put half of them back on the drug and left the other half and randomised the other half into what they called a placebo group. So they took a bunch of people who were withdrawing from a drug and said, oh, they did a lot worse than the people who are on the drug, and then said that was science. And there's so much. So like, this is just kind of a lot and and what we take to be science is like founded on false precepts. Like, um, not not all information that uh, requires like a double blind study. Like, you need to look at sort of first-hand experience of life and things like that, and say like, what is say psychology as a science? You know you. What it is, is people introspect on themselves and say, I look at my mind and I say that it works like that. And I see that it works like this. And then they put it out there and a bunch of other people go, oh yeah, like actually the mind does work like that. When I self observe, that's interesting and weird because it's not like people are not like iron, like iron always has melts at the same heat and it evaporates. Yeah, and it, and, it, and, it, and it has the same conductivity and all of its properties are the same, right? So iron always behaves the same under the same conditions. But you know, uh, I spank one person and they're like, ah, oh, don't, you're assaulting me. And another person, they're like, oh, that's kind of hot and sexy. So it's like the people are not like nature. Uh, sorry well i mean people are nature what i mean is natural elements so you can't do the same science when it comes to economics and psychology and the, the the humanities as you can when it comes to the the natural sciences and so this we're kind of limited in our scope of understanding by this idea that you know you called scientism or what there's one way and it's research and it's studies and it's blah 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 it's like no you don't actually understand that there's a much broader array of tools at our disposal when it comes to understanding this phenomenal universe that we live in
0: did so And see, I agree. And this is what makes the um, the physiology and the psychology and the uh, all all the stuff that makes humans fascinating. Right. And trying to put them into a, a realm of the natural sciences where you can count on the properties to be the same as they always are, as they they're predictable. This is what makes us dynamic. This is what Mm -hmm. makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. But then you get usurpers that come in, say the psychological field that comes in through a relationship with pharma, right? Right. And creates narrative, creates titles for something. And and then they have so they've created there's an, an observation in the field of some sort of mass this or that, maybe say attention, you know, people are having all of a sudden trouble with attention because they created flicker rate issues with light Mm -hmm. and, and flash this and flash that. And that's all old school, by the way. And then, so everyone has trouble concentrating Mm -hmm. and then big pharma and psychology get together and who had probably been in bed with the the engineers of what was causing this right this whole hegelian thing and they create a new terminology the psychology psychological field stamps it the pharmaceutical field says we've got a pill for it and then here's your solution here's the pill one size fits all and then you see the human experiment unfold You see Mm. that we are not all the same, that we are all perceiving things differently, that our physiology is different, our genetics can uh, waver. And we're understanding more about that every single day, Mm. especially when we start talking about parasites Mm. and the ability to change one's even blood type within the Mm. stomach and this whole parasite thing's blowing up. And so you have a corralling effect a manipulated corralling effect, and that's what makes this feel very agitating in in the overall field. How is it that we could allow the ridiculousness of what went on in the last several years across the whole realm of countries that did not get along or told uh, to come together and say, look, we're gonna weaponize the idea of the common cold. When flu and and cold season comes around, we're gonna just rename, we're rebranding people. And in the rebranding, the softer side or the harder side of influenza, like they did with Sears, the softer side of Sears. And now here's, here's the answer doesn't work like that and people that understand that it doesn't work like that just by observation mothers Mm -hmm. for example that deal with their kids this little thing doesn't work for that kid this little thing doesn't work for that kid understands this principle of absolutes but the world becomes self-consuming when Mm -hmm. you get a certain mass following an agenda Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if and this is my question here now long-winded as usual do you think that algorithmic forces had a lot to do with this or a little to do with it do you think the algorithms in the digital world around us played a role in what we just went through
1: oh i don't really know what that and what exactly that means that I've got, I've got a view to share, but maybe you could first ex, be a little bit more precise than the algorithms in the digital world.
0: Well, like a meme, you know, so, so, so when, oh, yeah. when, when Elon Musk came to Twitter and he said, I need to see the receipts for how many bots are here. And it right. turned out twitter was just absolutely parasite ridden with bots no right. surprise to any of you techies yeah, out there I,
1: I do that yeah if i was trying to if i was trying to run the global conspiracy i would absolutely get bots to argue with people on twitter because i know when they're arguing on twitter they're not changing the world right so that's a waste of time I, and then maybe i then people will get smart to that after a while. So I create a bot that said, wow, that's really interesting. Tell me about that, more about that. Wow, that's amazing. I've never seen it that way. And I hate, I, I'm afraid I'm giving them ideas. <laughs> anyway, the thing is, in some way, lockdown may have not been possible without the internet people could order things from the house,
0: a lot of people could work
1: from home,
0: you know. This is where I was getting at, yes.
1: Yeah, in some way, the technology, I mean, look, I like getting paid for nothing as well. So if the government's going to cut me a check to shut the fuck up, you know, that might help. Um, Like, then you've got porn, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, You've got, um, you can speak to your friends over Facebook Messenger. Like, imagine if you didn't have, I love the technology personally. Well, imagine if you didn't have any of this stuff, like, would they have been able to? First of all, no one would have thought there was COVID because if you look at the mortality rates for those years, they weren't any higher than in previous years. So if you went out, you just think there was a normal amount of sickness. Secondly, even if they could somehow propagandize people, they'd be like, look, there's only so much I can stay in the house without tech without anything to do. And plus, if you don't, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, it was it Malawi or something like that. They tried to impose they tried to impose lockdowns and the people were like, are you nuts? If we don't eat, if we don't work, we don't eat. So, they went on a protest and they weren't able to lock them down because they knew, you know. And I think lots of people died in countries like India because of lockdowns. Because in countries like that, people, you know, if you, you know, they don't have a developed economy to, and that's a whole other level of it, right? What is the use of states if everyone is rich? If every if, if if poor people reach a middle class income, they'll do what middle class people do. They'll take their kids out of school so they're and put them in a private school that's better. So the government doesn't need schools. They'll get their own health care. So you won't need Medicare and Medicaid and the insurance system. So, so you won't need the government for that. They won't go into the military because they're looking for a job or looking for a free education. Um, you know. They they won't commit crimes because most crimes are done by poor people. So if everyone gets rich, there's no need for government. Like, so part of me thinks that a big part of the COVID thing was just to destroy as much wealth as possible. Um, and you can you can see it when you go to the shops, you know. When I went to first went to the USA in October of 2020. I thought groceries were way expensive compared to Scotland back then. Like, I mean, going grocery, I, I dare, I, I, you know, going gross, to imagine what going grocery shopping is like now in the USA. It's getting worse in Scotland as well. Of course, it's getting worse in Mexico. I was in Mexico three years ago. It was so cheap here, um, but like com- compared to then, I would say it's obviously less expensive than a Western country, but it's not cheap. Not anymore.
0: But when, so let's look at this when, and I like the technology too. I am not anti-technology, but I am against everything being used against me and people, Exactly. and so that's where I draw the line. That's where this anti-technocracy. Stand... Thank you, Jerry. Mm. That's the truth, it, but in, it's it's really where it is. It's been used. It's it's weaponized and used against us. But in the, in the period of the Black Death, for example, you know, so they weaponized. So the stats here were that the common influenza went off, went away, and we had COVID. Like all of a sudden, you know, like you could see the numbers. Like where where's the cold? The influenza went away and. Oh because we wore masks
2: as why that was people actually said that because because everyone was masking the flu went away that what that was the actual alleged scientific explanation yet everyone and still got managed to get covid it, they still managed to get fucking covid
1: Right. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know. But here's the thing, going back to the cognitive dissonance thing, I don't know why I didn't make this example before. It's like, oh, get the vaccine. It'll stop you from getting it and it'll stop you from passing on to people. Oh, well, I mean, it, it, it won't stop you from getting it, but it will make, uh, sorry, it won't stop you from passing it on to other people. Oh, it won't stop you from getting it either, but it, it, it will lessen your symptoms. Oh, and you need two of them when you need a booster or you need a second booster it's like i genuinely cannot believe that people didn't go wait a minute this is not what you told us and also you fired a bunch of my friends because see as soon as they said it doesn't stop transmission even by their own bullshit, it's a personal issue it's not a public health issue anymore crying out loud well,
2: yeah, I mean, the the initial, the initial clinical studies, once they were published, uh, were clear that it didn't stop transmission or uh, infection. And on top right. of that, it, it became clear so they that they lied about the efficacy using a relative risk reduction percentage for efficacy versus an absolute risk reduction. Right. Which, which they do a lot in medicine. Which they do a lot in medicine. And yeah, I mean, I, if anything, I think one of the the biggest good things that come out of this is a lot more people are looking into childhood vaccination and the science around that.
1: Or the lack of science, you should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I packed the, the, the the organization that I teach the Economics of Healthcare Reform course for. The guy who started that is the guy who designed the study that came out, I think, 2019, um, thousands of children. I think over 4,000. They ranked them in terms of the number of vaccinations, and the num. So some of them had zero. Some of them had 75. And the more vaccines they had, the more asthma, the more colitis, the more go down all the chronic illnesses. And it was so. It was so convincing that the study because it was dose dependent and the doctor, the pediatrician, the next day, the medical board in Oregon took away his license after for, for publishing a freaking study. Right. That they'd, that they'd asked him to publish. Right? No, it wasn't for that. They found another reason. They found another, they found a reason to take away his study, his license, but it was obvious because he published the study. And it's really interesting because they asked him to do the study
2: look at all so the, they go at, Yeah, i'm sorry
1: no it's it's cool it's your turn
2: no no i was going to just look at all the doctors who who were unlike de-licensed what's the word for that they had their licenses taken away in canada for right. even suggesting there was a, a potential issue
1: yeah and i've got a friend that's a doctor in oxford that have women come in with messed up menstrual cycles and he'd be like was there anything that happened around the time you got the, <laughs> that you started having the regularities? and like i don't think so and he's like are you sure and they're like well i did get my covid vaccine could it be that and he's like well i'm not saying it but who knows and he could see on the record time after time after time they got the menstrual problems when they took the vaccine and that's all he could say really he said he said it could be the vaccine but you know you never know but he wanted them to know you know
2: right right and
1: that's and uh, be...
2: dr Naomi 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 wolf was one mm. of the first people to bring that forward the menstrual, the yeah, menstrual and issues. i
1: mean she's so brave i mean to become to come from being a mainstream leftist yes. feminist to you know to the stuff that she's done i admire her greatly i admire her greatly
2: yeah and and this this is true of so many people that uh it i don't think her politics in her head have changed you know as far as what she believes however the party has moved so far to the left it's pushed the overton window far enough to make her a, a, a right wing to in their eyes you know
1: well she 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 did say that she's become a bit more libertarian over the years so um and i I think that's because she learned about a bit of economics and saw oh right yeah no markets are actually good for consumers and things like that as long as they're free markets but um i I think it's good to be it's good when you find someone that's open-minded and willing to learn more Mm -hmm. and change and it's even better still to to find someone who's willing to make a heroic stance that costs them you know saying trump sucks if you're a band is not a risk the dixie chicks got taken off the radio because they said they were against the war in iraq and insulted president bush they took a risk right in those days the bands that were against the war were taking a risk people who are saying Right, all oh, go out and get vaccinated. Like, I mean, a band with a name called Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> yes. I cannot believe it. I loved it. When I was mm-hmm. a kid, I was jumping up and down to their first album.
2: Johnny I mean, rotten too. He was the Sex Pistols. Unbelievable. It was all like, yeah. you
1: got to be vaccinated. Uh, yeah.
2: Arnold Schwarzenegger. People, mm, so many people I admired for yeah. their work in the past totally blew it with me to the point where i, I can't mean, watch dolly them anymore.
1: parton yeah dolly parton like i i really admire her as an artist all these people came out and i mean you really have to say shame on you to musicians and actors because throughout history you know these fuckers went to their little campsite with their three-quarter size guitar and sung Bob Marley, emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our mind and protest songs. And they're meant to say things that are unpopular. It was the responsibility of musicians to talk truth to power and yes. playwrights. And, and journalists. That you could ha- and that you can have a career that involves you going on stage every night and fucking live somewhere like vegas as a musician or new york as an actor or la as an and not say look i live in a city that is world renowned for having a buzz and i am not going to let you destroy the, the i'm not going to let you destroy the buzz you know and these cities are destroyed
2: what's destroyed i'm sorry
1: well just like just like the buzz and the just the buzz in the yeah, yeah. city and cities that were world famous for being a great destination yeah. to visit well, this goes back and, to and people you... didn't people didn't protest them ruining the buzz that's what i was saying no before. i no
2: you're you're absolutely right and this goes going back to what you were saying about uh the destruction of people's livelihoods with lockdowns and stuff um, right i i i think that was deliberate uh, mm-hmm. in order to get rid of a lot of small businesses that are in the eyes of the government uncontrollable like they can't control right. them but they can control an amazon they can control home depot yeah you know they could pull strings there i shouldn't say control
1: but yeah i mean close enough
2: yeah but like mom and pop antique store or, you know, quote unquote, non-essential businesses. <laughs> mm-hmm. They, they yeah. have no say in how, how they operate. And and I think one of the facets of this operation that went on was to destroy that echelon of businesses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting. And yeah. And it definitely had that effect and just think about it. It's like, Oh, you're so selfish, what if someone gets COVID and dies, right? What if you spent 20, 30 years of your life building a business and you went out of business over lockdowns? Like, why did this not fact? Do you know what, I'm so shocked that we're still talking about lockdowns and how obscene they were so many years later. But this is like, like I notice I go into rant mode, I notice I sound stressed when I talk about it. So that makes me think, one i you know i didn't and didn't talk about it that often cuz i thought what was the point but that it really had a profound effect on me the fact that i get so passionate and talking about it
0: well it, there's a dynamic there we went through something collectively That was a big deal. It was a big trauma event. No matter where you stood on it, no matter if you were for it or against it, we all were forced into a narrative and we couldn't escape the narrative no matter what. And so it's still playing out. We're still coming to terms with what happened. And anyone that's gone through any small traumas, like even an accident or a a heart incident, or, you know, just even a death, it takes time cognitively to process. And the more time we get away from what happened, the more clear it becomes, obviously. And then there's a snowball effect because the more clear it becomes, everyone's coming to It's like a bad trip and we all start to talk about whoa did that really happen so then we go like yes that really happened and then we start tearing apart the controllers of the trip the controllers mm-hmm. that took us into this when we can say even if we were saying it's idiocracy to think you can walk through a room and have to have a mask on so that you can save yourself from COVID, but sit down and eat. We knew Mm -hmm. that back then. We knew that we, some of us were saying, this is ridiculous. I was one of these people saying it and you both probably were as well. I said it in real time with friends that were like, I'm like, are you serious? We're gonna walk through this restaurant with masks on and sit down. I mean, and then, you know, it was like being, being told I needed to do that and so we're being coerced into something we are is against our better judgment like so pronouns. here Well, Mm -hmm. all of it, right. It all came on. It was all a big avalanche of stuff. And now that we have a little reprieve and we have a little breathing space is when the conversation started to happen. And Mm -hmm. this is where the good stuff has started to come out Mm -hmm. because more people that were in the moment and doubled down and bought it and played along with the narrative realized and are realizing in in the modern in the current tense of it that this was all an operation and that this operation was done upon everyone and that these people that actually capitulated to it were really duped and people don't want to think that and so then they had to look at well who duped us and Mm -hmm. then they got they need to understand these people that they bought this story from Dr. Faust and, and who mm-hmm. is Bill Gates to stand up to the whole world and mm-hmm. tell you anywhere where you stand in the world, this American tech giant, mm-hmm. the, the real science of, mm-hmm. of a virology of all this. And, and George Soros funding this and, and Mr extreme Ms. Dr. Evil over there Klaus you know mm-hmm. like all these characters in this great opera this tragedy that we witnessed are so dark and yet they're so thin and mm-hmm. when they came together we were bamboozled by it and we can see that so now the real discussion's happening now people are starting to be exposed for what they are everyone's nude in this some people are still doubling down because they are people that don't like to be wrong or they are people that were part of it others and a mass amount of others are horrified that they did it or participated in any way. And it's created a bigger situation. And this is where I was trying to get out with the, the theater of the absurd, the mm-hmm. theater of the world around us and how we participate, even as those in the viewing audience, you are a part of this theater. It takes the viewing audience to make the theater, the, the actors on the stage real, to make it real. And this is where there's a Simpsons it becomes,
2: episode like that,
0: it, it's, it's right there. That's why people are still talking about it. They will be talking about it a long time, mm-hmm. but th- this, we saw this in the, we've seen this historically when they started dragging out controllers in different countries and different time periods and saying, Iran's over. And here's the guillotine. We don't care how glamorous you are. We don't care this or that. Even if some of those people were not to blame, the the, the mass mindset goes for blood because blood was spilled on them because they were duped. And there's nothing like a population scorned to come after you if you are uh, in control, if you are the ruler. And that's why you set in scapegoats. That's why you set in the great pretenders. This is why we saw a lot of shuffling in the royal families and in the governments and moving people in and out of areas, separating Harry from the royal family so that if the guillotines do come out, look, he's the great rebel. He said, hell no to the the Windsors and 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 did all this. There's a bigger twist in this story and that's what I'm trying to get at. What is it? Because we have come to a couple crescendos already but there's a twist in the plot coming and that's where I was trying to go earlier with your observation of theater and theatrical production and I pointed us back to the Black Plague or the Black Death because when you look at those historical records we didn't have the internet then allegedly and we didn't have the technology then allegedly and so that it spread basically word of mouth, right? So these doctors and these ministers and all that would travel across Europe and the death wasn't there yet in some of these accounts. And of course they're saying, well, they spread it, but did they really spread it in a physical way or was it more like the mind virus? Mm -hmm. Look, this is the plague. It's all over Europe. These are the symptoms and now, we're here to see has mm. anyone coughed strangely is this or that and then you know when we you know we have the narrative that it comes from fleas rats and and all this but it it was in the stories i've looked at was absolutely not in villages until all the propaganda got to villages mm. and it's just like the witch hunts and it's just like all mm. these other narratives free internet algorithmic experiences. Mm. So, of course, we're still talking about it. And, of course, we're still mad as hell because we need mm. to be mad as hell. But the problem is, what is that a procession into? Where is this arc taking us, Anthony?
1: Well, I mean, that's for us to decide, isn't it? I think that we one thing we can certainly say is it's an extremely interesting time to be alive. Like, I mean, what a trip. I'm kind of glad, yeah, I'm kind of glad I've been insulated from the worst of it. Um, I got out of Scotland um, in the halftime of lockdowns, when they opened up for a wee while before putting us back into lockdown. I had an online job, so I guess I'm pretty lucky. I got to kind of follow my nose and um, make my own destiny and travel and meet interesting people who disagreed with what was going on when you said, where does it go? That's what I meant at the beginning, when you were asking about the theatre, which was, we're, we're trying to determine whether this is a comedy or a tragedy, is it going to have a happy ending, or if it's going to have a sad one. And sometimes just a day or a week or a period of your life ends in tragedy, do you know what I mean? And you feel like everything's gone wrong. And then another period, you're like, it's definitely got a happy ending. It seems to, but there's no end in eternity, so it just keeps going, and and it, it's more like tragedies and comedies, because something else. Ha- it's like a, it's it's an improvisation. It's it's like well, I didn't like. There's, there's one thing, oh, and then there's the COVID curveball, all right. And then there's things are going this way, and there's the Trump curveball. And then things are going that way. And it, things were getting pretty good towards the end of the 90s in some ways with science and spirituality. And then 9-11 happens, and it derails all of that. And then, I don't know, sometimes good stuff happens. Like, who thought an anarcho-capitalist would be in um, in power in Argentina? Who could have guessed that weird lefty socialist feminist Sweden would have been the place that didn't lock down and like New Zealand that had a massive deregulation in the 90s which led to a massive period of prosperity would be one of the most hardest regulating I mean that was really the worst when when people were told they couldn't even leave their own country it for ages they told us well if you don't like the government you can just leave. You know, if you don't like it, why don't you just leave? And then they actually said, "You can't leave." I mean, it's such a violation. So I, th- Australia, that's Australia too. Was like, yeah, exactly. Know, come or go. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. They turned it into a prison camp again. Yep. With
2: with legit prison camps built inside, quarantine camps in Australia and New Zealand, I believe, both had. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you refuse to get vaccinated or whatever, or you tested positive, they sent you off to that quarantine camp.
1: Incredible.
2: Yeah. China too. China had them too. Yeah. It was crazy, crazy shit that went on. And I was trying to interject here back when Nish was talking. Um, one of the, the problem with, Not necessarily waking people up, but trying to explain how they've been fooled is damn near impossible now because we've had four Mm -hmm. years of all these different authorities, authoritative figures coming out and putting out this narrative and reinforcing and reinforcing it. There are so many different things that occurred uh, that all in combination resulted in where we are today. So Mm -hmm. to try and sit someone down, explain that all the things that happened, you know, this is how the tests were bad. This is how they miscalculated the death rates. This is how they mischaracterized deaths. This is why the PCR test can't, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? There were so Mm -hmm. many unscientific things that happened that were pushed as science that, which also fed into the cognitive dissonance issue. Mm -hmm. remember uh, for instance remember when natural immunity was a conspiracy theory
1: Mm -hmm.
2: crazy (laughs) yeah yes they they came out of it natural immunity is the latest conspiracy theory from anti-vaxxers it's like they literally said that. they literally (laughs) said that and if it wasn't for quote-unquote natural immunity vaccines would not work like Mm -hmm. the whole idea of vaccine science whether or not it's legit is a different story
1: it's based on the idea
2: it's based on the idea of natural immunity that you have a natural immunity or your body can build one
1: mm. yeah it's just like
2: you're left without words and you try and sit down to talk to someone about this you don't even know where to start because mm. they don't know jack shit but
1: yeah that thing natural immunity is a conspiracy theory that's aimed at people who don't look into things so that They just hear that Uh, so that when one of their friends says, oh, but, you know, natural immunity, blah, blah, blah. They've not looked into it, but they once heard somewhere someone saying natural immunity. It's a new conspiracy theory. And they just recall that and they say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. That is aimed at that shallow level of mind, you know?
2: Yeah, the people who just want to be right. Mm -hmm. They don't care if Mm -hmm. it's true. They just want to be with the correct group. Yeah, it's.
0: But meanwhile, if you were, say, like back to the Black Death, if you're in a village or if you're in a place, so I'm playing this to what just happened, though. If you were in a place and you weren't affected by the propaganda mill, you weren't affected by the mind virus of this, you would have been just fine. You would, there, because there, there, it wouldn't have affected you. This was, in essence, a mind virus. That went around that commandeered the common influenza and people still play into it and and then as we've known researching since then that there's a lot of technology that was actually involved with um the way that electronic warfare can trigger these symptoms any kind of symptoms in the body that mirror what we consider organic illnesses and symptoms of things like influenza and different things they can target you and this of course had to this has been in the realm of the crazy woo woo conspiracy theorists until really now you know, in the modern tense, because Havana syndrome came out and now they can't deny, they're not denying Havana syndrome anymore. But what was Havana syndrome? What is Havana syndrome? It's electronic warfare. And there were and are ways to combat that. But that again was in the land of woo woo, just like when they twisted the idea of herd immunity. And so, if you're in this proverbial village that was not affected by anything prior and some thought comes in a parasite a pied piper comes in and starts placing these seeds into your delicate little impressionable mind and ideas you were going to be all right your village was going to be all right if you were an uh, an elderly person that wasn't attached to any of this technology you didn't even know something was going on until you tried to go to the store and they're like wait where's your papers you know or you want to go you you, this it's all started in the mind so much of this is completely psychological in nature that got everyone to participate in what became a grand working which was the idea of a hive mind uh, sickness here, and then it just snowballed and became a, a what I would say is a most successful event, a most successful mm-hmm. exercise by these mm-hmm. monsters, if you will, that orchestrated it to see how well this stuff works on the masses. The joke was always on us from day one mhm, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. The whole, yeah, I guess um, we, like you said, we just keep on speaking about it because we're still mad as hell because it was so astonishing. It's like you know, it, it's a vortex that's con- consumed. You know, I, I'm down here. I meet, I've met people in Mexico who lost their house, their 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 beautiful apartment, their their partner, their family their job, and now they're living in in America or Canada, and now they're living in Mexico. Um, it was completely earth shattering for some people.
0: Well, of course it was it you can't it's this mob thing you're 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 doing your own thing you're a midwife in the woods doing your own thing and then the whole village comes at you with torches. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because you've been trying to do your own thing and you can't do your own thing when you've got everyone weaponized against you and so if you don't join the mob then you're against the mob and that's how this works and it create it's a snowball effect and so it is it is well oiled through history. And we see that it's even more toothy now with technology and Mm -hmm. how easy it is to get people to gild their own cages. Correct. A lot of people like me, who's a complete introvert. I didn't really get too affected by what was going on because I generally don't like being in mobs of crowds. I don't like going to the market and having people push me as I'm reaching for something on the shelf, have some pushy motherfucker reach push my hand away to grab what I'm grabbing for and stuff. That stuff did not happen in my early life. That stuff is new. But this kind of mentality that's going on and it created this very selfish reality uh for a lot of people where decorum social decorum fell apart and when they were separating us six feet apart thank you very much which i actually enjoyed uh, it created a break in the psyche of what humans do which is you know in general we need each other we're around each other we do need the warmth of others even ones like me that prefer my space (laughs) but you know we still have a functioning society if you are in a society and so it fractured it at the core it fractured all these societies at the core even in small town wherever And that is going to be something, the the little kids that went through this, they were entrained into this, they were brought into this, this is now a physical memory in their bodies, whether or not they remember it or not, they were entrained early on. And I postulate here that the bigger overture was that Jerry's Jerry's meme here is exactly perfect that the bigger overture here was that that we could see how easy this is and I'm I'm stepping into the devil's advocate we as the people that control that did this we can see how easy it is to actually corral the masses with very little effort and in the modern day, as I brought up earlier, with algorithmic overtures guiding the narrative through memes, through bots, through uh, in in neuroscience they call them brainworms. Just like you see in, in ca- a catchy tune, uh, it it it, be, it was really well played, and the damage is done. That's why we're still talking about it. But the young generations that came into this and were part of it the damage is going, to the poisons will be hatching out.
2: It's generational for sure.
0: Yeah. The poisons will be hatching out. This was a seed planted and these, these engineers, these maestros, if you will, these directors of the play knew this, know this, and, are counting on that they are not thinking in terms of a decade they're thinking in terms of long-term growth long-term movements and these are the same people that got us into the idea of world war one and the idea of world war two and the bullshit around vietnam and bay of pigs all this stuff they are moving like directors of this opera we're watching and like any good Shakespearean play, there's a whole bunch of realism. It's gritty. There is a hero here, but there's a hero there. There's an anti hero. A lot of people are going to die. Some won't. Uh, there's betrayal. There's heartache. And that's what makes this more dynamic than, say, something very simple and three, uh, than a simple three minute TikTok time tick tock clip this is going to play out into our future meanwhile act four is getting set up and what's that act for because what i'm noticing is that very a lot of people are getting very comfortable with themselves right now with the way it is is. So They're just accepting that, okay, thank God we're not locked in. Thank God we can go to the store. Thank God we don't have to wear a mask, even though a huge amount of people still wear a mask. And, and, and so in the mix, they gave away so much to get so little back that when this next act comes in and the fourth act is usually the bloodiest, uh, it's going to be a sight to behold because in the process, young people were entrained, and they're going to triple down.
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 what have they been entrained into? And what are they going to triple down on?
0: Compliance.
2: I,
1: okay, so <laughs> you're talking about and and 1984, like, um, <laughs> you know, because that was the thing they all said that. I wonder why that bell went after you said compliance.
2: It's our synchro bell
1: you and I bell. said
0: that synchronicity whenever, whenever bell. we have
2: a synchro, we, I ring it
1: like because you both said compliance at the same time, at yes. the
0: same time. Yeah, that's be-
1: yeah, I thought it was quite a beautiful moment and quite scary. Um, it's when you when you hit rung the bell, it was almost like you were under a hypnosis and you were <laughs> you were uh entraining like, you, you know, you were like positive reinforce. you're like whatever <laughs> yes. it Pavlovian. is, yeah. you're you're anchoring the idea of compliance. Yes. Yeah, so I guess we've got a responsibility to step out one by one and um, make the best most of our own lives, and in a way that helps others. And you know, because you can't, you can't take. That's the thing. One of the signals that the governments didn't care about, actually care about health is. I don't really believe in government, right? But if you're going to have a government, then it should at least do what government pretends to do, pretends its job is. So you would have created a little pamphlet called Your Immune System, and you would have posted it through every door in the country with evidence-based information on how to keep healthy. Even mainstream sources admit that 70% of diseases lifestyle related, it's probably more like 98%. and even those that aren't, like obviously, if you don't take your, your care of your health, your condition is going to be worse. They didn't do anything to encourage people to improve their health, improve their natural immunity, so to speak. In like, fact,
2: everything was was contrary to yeah. healthful helpful. No. You can't get any
1: sunlight. You can't get any. You need exercise, fresh oxygen, air. Fresh, fresh air, food, fresh food. Um, I know. Yeah, fresh food. So, um that was the one indication that didn't really care how unhealthy you are. I mean, how how healthy or unhealthy you are. So yeah, so it's like for each of us, we don't really have, you can't really do much about the BPAs and the, you can, you can get a filter to to filter your water. They're spraying stuff with glyphosate. They're putting so many toxins into our food, air and water supply. And you're like, is this like, how is this just right see if you can go out like see if other people want to eat produce that's sprayed with poison that's fine but why can't i go into a supermarket and see something that's labeled organic and know for a fact that it's not going to poison me is this part of the psyop like what was like why is that even allowed in the universe one has to ask like that we've got that our free will can be violated so greatly that you can think you can think that you're doing a good thing for yourself and not even know if you're if you're right or not
0: well you so <laughs> well, so part of part of this, and I don't know if this is is adding to what you just said or if I'm just backtracking a little, sure, but I'm
1: just interested
0: this idea of the isolation that happened through this this mm-hmm. grand ritual that happened. What what happened in that process? So people didn't feel isolated because of what? Because of the internet right. and because of AI companions. And I'm not talking about the way I talk about AI, because you could go on and, um, you know, you could get all your answers digitally through mm-hmm. digital AI, through, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And and you could people gaming industry boomed, and uh, these kinds of escapism things boomed because you could fulfill your need to like I was talking about with this isolation aspect to feel isolated and alone, and now with the different kinds of uh, simulations out there through the AI revolution or um, takeover. Uh, you can, you can get sympathy where you want sympathy and well, anything, if you're into being dominated, you can have a dominatrix AI lover online and, uh, or on your phone. <laughs> right, you know, shut up and eat you worm, and um, you know, yes, you know, mistress, <laughs> exactly. Don't call me mistress now. Kiss my arse, and um, it's goddess to you, <laughs> right? Oh, okay. You know, so you can get it tailor made. You can get it tailor made oh, okay. to you and fulfill that which you were getting, maybe not even to to your liking in your organic life. Before. Yes,
1: you're hitting it. Yeah. You see what exactly. I'm saying? Life is hard, right? But here's one of the reasons why I think video games are so addictive. Because in life, everything gets hard before it gets easy. If you go and learn a new sport or a new language, it's like you don't know anything. It's, But as you keep on learning, it kind of gets easier and you start to get the hang of it. Um, especially social situations, oh, my God, like, do they send like someone into school where, like, you guys hang out and stuff like that, you're like, oh, my God, like, go out and get some social skills. Okay. Now, it, it gets easier and easier. In a video game, they make it so the first level is the easiest, and the second level slightly harder, and the third level slightly harder, and the fourth level slightly harder. So you've entered this artificial world where It's always the optimal level of challenge for your skill level. And you're like, "Wow, yeah, I'm really doing great here. It's like you're saying they're taking that to the extreme because you're right about relationships. Relationships have never been easy, but you're talking about a generation who grew up with social media and then actually have to go into the world to interact with a human to learn all the social cues that those of us that were born before the Internet like got at least a little bit of time to experiment around with. So, and also the consequences are, if you come onto a girl and you do it unskillfully, not only might she reject you, which is bad enough if you don't have very much self-esteem, she might tell her friends no everyone thinks you're a perv okay yes i think i'm just going to take the ai girlfriend because she's yes. definitely going to reject me and if i and if she's i'm definitely not going to say anything she doesn't like but she's like words going to get around so they're taking all and there's you know there's no risk you know with porn you don't i need to please your partner you can think about yourself you can just think about your own pleasure and your own imagination you you're not going to risk um doing something you know not being aggressive enough and she thinks you know oh it would have been you know she goes off with someone some alpha male that was that was more assertive than you or like being being too aggressive and 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 her being being like okay i didn't like that oh shit i'm you know what am i meant to do with this situation so you're talking about they're luring people into a world with the with sugar you know the 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 temptation of ease it's the it's the, the, the apple you know oh take a bite of this you know you know it's tempting but what you're yeah you're it, it you're, is yeah yeah, yeah. It, on, you're you're
0: right on and it's what it's what you want and we see this and it was imperative to make this fracture a hard fracture which is what Mm -hmm. happened in in this experiment we all went through where we were also isolated and and it was insidious because this whole thing if you recall, you may not recall, but there was a whole push for vaccines. There was a whole smallpox scare here prior to that. And it started to bring up old wounds about who's for vaccinations and who's not. And, and this was prior to mm-hmm. this. And it was a big deal here in America. And I don't know how far and wide that went, but it started to bring up these old wounds. Mm-hmm. And in this fracturing of, of our collective psyche of our personal makeup we started to see lovers separate because Mm -hmm. they were either for this or not for that families break up the isolation became incredible and then what do you have you have the obvious the solution and that was going into the digital mediums to Mm -hmm. get find Mm -hmm. your community find where you want Mm -hmm. but that's not enough so see now they start pushing people in real people in real online communities apart by uh, Mm -hmm. all kinds of means and then but but
2: that's all just the the collective push towards transhumanism
0: That's what I'm saying, Jerry. So it's, it's the continue, the separation. So the separation went from in-person, your personal lives, your interactions out in the world to your, personal relationships online with real people but online and digitally and started separating those communities and we've all seen this And and how these communities and then just go straight into fuck it i'm going digital all the way right because ai these ai systems these ai systems are so good now that you can get what you want and now you've got the goggles and now you've got augmentation and you've got all this more human than human that's really truly out there but it needed to separate it needed you we needed to be cleaved away from each other for this to come in and it's very sophisticated that was just the first step though Right. The absolutely. second step
2: is blurring the gender lines. This is all in preparation for you to accept your cyborg body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That has, that has
2: no gender. <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: Well, it couldn't because it's a cyborg. Right. And so I don't, I don't. it's not even organic. And so that's oh, why. Oh, snap. I
1: thought it was going to get a bigger
2: one.
0: It, well, and... you could have. You...
2: You could. You gotta pay extra for that. You gotta rent it. <laughs> it's a monthly right. fee. You'll own nothing and you'll be baby. happy with your twelve inch
0: cock.
1: Uh, I thought <laughs> that was
0: so good I, go on. I, I'm just gonna be bad. But it, but it. The, the the thing is the thing is it had to This had to happen in a certain way. It had to have a cadence. It had to have a pace. And otherwise it wasn't going to happen. This was all manufactured from day one. And that's why back to the original story of you can walk through a restaurant with the mask on and not worry about covid because you're masked and sit down and not worry, take the mask off and not worry because whatever that is, it lingers at that, the 5.8, whatever height, you know, the, the ridiculousness of all that, that we were questioning and it was never about that. It was never Mm -hmm. about that. It's about where we are now and Mm -hmm. where we're going, which is the fourth act. And the fourth act is what the fourth the four is the, the what creates the main floor yeah. of a plane, of a field, and from that field, from that plane, you can scaffold up, you can build up. Mm-hmm and this is digital language. And so you can get whatever you need. You don't need anything outside of it. And as Jerry said, you the whole thing, you will have nothing and be happy because everything technically will be technically digital, online mm-hmm. or con- connected to you in the most horrific of ways. Getting mm-hmm. bio, hooked in vis-a-vis whatever form you want because there's human now ai humane there's that stuff that elon musk is pushing to get your brain all hooked up it doesn't matter choose choose Mm -hmm. your direction Mm -hmm. it's a flavor it's a fashion it's a brand whatever you want but it's taking you separate and it's it separated you, it's isolated you from everything that you actually knew prior to now. And it gives you exactly what you want and what you need, even the conflict and friction you need. Some people need contrast and friction. Some people just want the feel-goods and ride-alongs and the the luxury of it all. We're all individual, and this and this absolutely is tailor-made for you Anthony for me wow that's <laughs> fantastic I've just sold you so sign You're here so below lucky. on the dotted line what do I have to say
1: away? <laughs> well
0: well first it's I, just a little prick to the so, finger we need your DNA signature
2: we're running up okay. on, on time here we are and, and uh I, I, have, I have a few questions for you from the audience sure number one. Oh wow
1: amazing I love questions from the audience
2: number two well it's for, just from Oswald um, number two, I wanted to talk about your fertility clinic,
1: You're... or I want to give you oh, time right. to okay. talk about go it. Yeah. yeah, so cool. go ahead. and
2: so, once you do that, and we can do the so lining
1: round. Oh, okay. So let's just not talk about how, like, a lot of things we've po- um, pointed out toxins. One of the, um, one of the side, side effects of this jab seems to be that people. Um, can't have babies. We're actually in the middle of a fertility crisis, mm-hmm. where one in six, what with one in six people failing to conceive. So we're basically running a retreat, like a detox retreat, because a lot. I mean, a lot of the time, my teachers taught me that all disease derives from the underlying condition of the body, and um, uh, on the cellular level healthy cells build healthy tissues, healthy tissues build healthy organs, healthy organs build a healthy body and a healthy body can conceive. And I've seen people reverse conditions like colitis, type 2 diabetes, even cancer with protocols like the one that we're going to do. Because what we want to do is get all the toxicity out of the cell and put all the nutrients that the cell needs to build healthy tissues into the cell. We're marketing it as a fertility retreat, although you know people might come along um, to get rid of their skin problems or other things as well, but um, because we're, lots of people might know someone who, a couple, who are really try, trying to have babies. So if that's interesting to you, I got the greatest domain name ever for it, youcanconceiveit.com. Youcanconceiveit.com. And uh, we're going to, yeah, it's going to be here next step on Mexico. Um, you know, it's starting in April or May at Push. Like, I mean, there's different start dates. So you could come April or May and uh, learn Spanish, I guess, yoga, juices, amazing tropical fruit, excursions, meet other people who are into this stuff, as in. Living the best possible life you have, and not just talking about it, but you know, your body's a temple. The fight back part of the fight back is not being sick, is being healthy, is being in a community where you can focus on becoming the best version of yourself so that you can manifest what you want to in this world in this lifetime. So, if you'd like to come with me. And uh, have an amazing time, become healthier than you've ever been in your life, and uh, possibly have a baby. Um, you can conceive it.com. Um, or message me personally if you're interested in, in detox and remineralization retreats such as this. Pass it on to your friends. If you know someone that it could help, you can conceive So that's the plug. Now we're doing the less so questions from the audience
2: yeah so let's see how i can organize these um <clears throat> have you ever considered moving to japan
1: hmm what far see if the questioner can give you us more details My... uh, it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me personally but i mean you could tell you could sell it to me
2: i don't i don't know why he has it. uh do you know are you familiar with dr andrew kaufman yeah, yes.
1: Book. Yes. I met him once two years ago, mm-hmm. um, right uh, not far away from here, five and a half hours in the bus uh, in Acapulco. Yeah. I'm familiar with him.
2: What do you think about his terrain theory thoughts? And...
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, probably true. I, I personally don't cover the virus, no virus stuff in my writing. And the reason for that is my Shtick is taking mainstream sources and demonstrating that mainstream sources say that 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 Mm -hmm. um, pharmaceuticals are harmful so because i can't really find the the mainstream sources saying there's no viruses i don't really talk about it but that doesn't mean that i don't necessarily think it's true um he but is this and and sometimes i wonder if it's like uh um what do they call it the mandela Mandela effect mandela effect yeah yeah, where you, viruses used to exist, but they don't anymore. Did you ever think of that? Uh, um, I never
2: thought about it in those terms because so many. It, it's not like a. It's like a reverse Mandel effect. It's people right. are realizing that virus that the whole science behind viruses is bullshit.
1: Right. Well, you what know. I'd say is viruses might exist, but no one's ever proven them to. Yeah. Exactly.
2: That, that's a good take on that
1: or, or or at least not in the public domain maybe they secretly did and that's how they knew about them yeah
2: and no no virus has ever been shown to cause to be contagious and cause disease I, but
1: that's very difficult to prove because how because if you have two people in the same room like it's like a kind of post hoc proctor hoc thing where you say well i sneezed and then that guy went away and got a cold like it looks like contagion but it's very very difficult to prove
2: well the the study i saw is where <clears throat> they took viral uh material and inserted it into someone's nose mm-hmm. and could not make that person sick mm-hmm. with this influenza mm-hmm. virus mm-hmm. but yeah i know it's it's all new and if if terrain theory is true, it's not based on material science, so right. that's a problem right there.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> the material science is never going to be able to go there and examine it because it's not ba- it's based on field theory or yeah whatever.
0: Well, well, a good unless way they say- can find some money out of it.
2: I don't, even then, it, they can't define it with science because you can't measure it. Right? Can't measure your well, good- uh, your electronic, your electric field. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, not at all. Well, well, well a good website is TerrainScience.com, and I, I know it's a good website because my articles get printed there. Um, so, that's a, that's good. All
2: right, I'll put a link to that in chat for everyone. Mm. There you go. Uh, the other question, two more. Um, what's your take on Christiane Northrup?
1: Christian Northrup. Doctor
2: Christian. I'm sure
1: I'm sure I've heard of him before, but her I don't know her. Christian Northrup. How,
2: how dare you misgender her?
1: I know <laughs> women's health. Oh, maybe I heard her on uh, on a on a podcast. N- not n- not very. N- I don't have one. Okay. I can't comment on someone that I'm ignorant of.
2: All good. Uh, final question. And thank you for all these questions, by the way.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you, Oswald.
2: Um, were you raised in any particular religious faith?
1: Okay, I am, you know, one of the tribe. Sorry, for those listening, I'm, I'm good for you. Uh, like, I I don't. So, I came from a Jewish background. My mom's actually from Israel for her sins. My dad. Is Scottish, uh, was born in Scotland, but four generations back, Ukrainian. Um, and that's quite, well, it gave me some quite interesting insights. And like, I was a, like, the Jewish culture is a very strange culture. On one hand, they have very good humor. On the other, I feel like it really, it might be less so now because I'm 38. But when I was a child, I very much felt like, Judaism, while well, it was all about, the more of a victim you are, the more praiseworthy you are. And that's such a bad outlook on life. And because if you believe that, then you'll be unconsciously finding ways to make yourself a victim. Yep. And yeah, I don't know, My I, I have the stereotypically crazy Jewish mum. And yeah, so I wasn't really, my parents weren't really religious, but they liked to do the festivals for tradition. Mm-hmm. And um it was interesting one of the most uh, i like i like the old te- stories from the old testament very much i found them very very interesting and enjoyable and uh yeah but i'm not very religious i'm just a bit spiritual yeah
0: <laughs> the old testament's juicy i got, mm-hmm. I was for sure when I, when I went and started reading it i was like my god they've got it all <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about <Yeah>. an opera <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, so I love that you are, I just want to put this out here, Anthony. I love that you are out there offering um, solutions to Mm -hmm. problems that are out there for people, that are really, truly out there for people having um, in the aftermath of this big thing that happened. And this is something we always like to end on i like to end on the good stuff and Mm. all that but it is important that we do look at all of the fuckery all of the darkness Mm. and how we ended up in this position to begin with which is not just the last four years it's been a long-legged steer job a long-legged corralling to get us here so the fertility situation is mm-hmm. acute. It's a big mm-hmm. deal right now, mm-hmm. and that you're helping people find solutions in this department is a uh, is a good offering to humanity. Thank so, you. yeah, thank yeah, you because, for that.
1: Because to to me, the same that that is being caused by the same things as is causing most of the chronic diseases, like you can go for IVF treatment might cost you 15 to $25,000 15 to 20% chance of success. But if your body is toxic and malnourished, even if it succeeds, you're not creating a good life for the next generation because they're going to inherit the cellular condition of your body. So this is this is going to the cause of the problem and reversing it, improving the quality of cells, so that the next generation is better than the previous generation. And that goes both the next generation of cells and the next generation of humanity. If, I mean, I just know we're going to have so much success with getting people pregnant on after this protocol, so once we've got those, I mean, it's it's probably blow up because it's the kind of thing that gets around. Oh, I couldn't have a, and then I came and did this, and and now I could. So yeah, this is the problem. This is what everyone's going to have to face up to it sooner or later. Are your cells? Are the cells in your body getting healthier, better nourished, more, um, better hydrated? Uh, are they generating? are they degenerating? Because if they're degenerate, and this is the thing, most Americans are in five or six pharmaceuticals by the time they're 60. If that was working, then by the time they were 70, they'd only be on two because they'd be getting better. People are getting worse, not better. Yes, That yeah. doesn't have to be the case. We have protocols which are tried and tested that will help your body do what it's meant to do, which is clean the crap that shouldn't be inside it, out of it, and get the nutrients into the cells so that you can build healthier tissues. So so that's what I'm working on, getting people down here, April and May, to improve the cellular condition of their body. We're going to train the freedom warriors. So, Well, that's, that's- excellent.
0: I can tell you that I personally know several people, several people that are having the worst luck with trying to have babies, lots of miscarriages and all this stuff. It's insane. Well, I'm
1: telling you, it's not luck. It's because see if it's luck, then that's just shit and they just have to accept it. Because it's not luck, there is something they can do about it. And I just want to make people aware of that. And they can decide if they're able to take enough time off work or, or whatever to come to a retreat and see if they can reverse the condition.
0: Back in the day, in my day, I'm Gen X. It was like all you could do not to get pregnant. I mean, everybody's right. getting exactly. pregnant, so, exactly.
1: it's like, so it's like if, it's a, like if a dick will fit you, you the wrong way. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, better, you better wear a condom, everyone told you.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it I mean, a it was a thing. Yeah. So this is this is great, and I think that more people are realizing and re- at least recognizing that there is a fertility issue going on. Yeah. And especially those people that have been trying and thought and there was no history in their family of of any issues and of course Mm -hmm. as this is happening they're realizing that this may in fact be part of what had just gone down and that's Mm -hmm. a harder pill for some to swallow but again you have some solutions and those solutions are helping people so again uh give us information for the website how do people find you there and thank you for coming to the to the show with Jerry Cthulhu and I, uh, <laughs> I I'm,
1: it, it is such a great pleasure. You know, I've listened to you guys here in Mexico, Scotland. I've I remember list, I remember distinctly listening to an episode of Obelisk in Rishikesh, India, last year. So um, you guys have traveled with me, so it's good to travel a little bit with you. Um, Thank you. You can you can conceive it as the url for detox retreats um detox and remineralization retreats i should say you can get my free ebook 7 if you want to book me as a therapist you can get a set you can book a consultation with me at beyourselfandloveit.com what more do you need than that
0: absolutely that's everybody say love it's been a real pleasure having you on you're fun to you're fun to chat with yeah, thank you. you. obviously you have a good sense of humor mm-hmm. which we love here oh, yeah. and uh you're you're just you're perfect here and thank you for being uh on the journey with us listening to us in different places yeah. that yeah. warmed my heart to hear that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. mm-hmm. and that and thank you both and uh, i i i i yeah what more could you ask for it was a wonderful show it exceeded expectations and i d- i didn't know we'd go for two hours but it was effortless
0: jerry so, and i like, always go for two right. hours <laughs> we're just getting at warmed up we're in the first hour baby. Up, baby so um <laughs> when
2: uh when you have some success stories from your clinic uh please come back and we can talk about it
1: yeah that would be fucking awesome yeah oh, I'll be shouting it from the rooftops because I've been writing about the pharmaceutical industry for a couple of years so it's good to be able to actually do something about it uh, not just say this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong
0: mm-hmm. you have an open invitation and as well yeah, at the cosmic salon also oh, oh so. man
1: I'm, yeah I'm looking forward to that show
0: <laughs> are you booked at the cosmic salon
1: no i i, I this is know uh, I'm asking you to book me
0: Oh, get, well, reach out to, I have a booking go, agent. I have a, uh, who? or Jerry, get it. It's, um, I'm not doing my booking. Every time I do, I mess it up. So, so, you know, just reach we'll out to out. Yeah. thecosmicsalon.com. And if you just go, there's a tab for bookings and reach out and Meredith will get you on the books.
1: Meredith. Oh. oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Cool.
1: All right. Well, thank you, everyone.
2: Um, thank you. I don't have a show booked yet because I have to read a book and then I'm going to book the show. <laughs> Robert...
0: but see, that says everything, Jerry. You're reading the book.
2: Yeah, I am. Robert mm. Guffey sent me a copy of his new novel and we're going to talk about it. So um, Awesome. <clears throat> it's called uh, Dead Monkey Rum. Um,
0: I have no idea about this, so I'll just wing it. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So, Thanks so much anyway. for having me.
0: Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank
1: you.
2: Thank you, Nish. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care.